Well, we welcomed uh, Scott Johnson as the next-gen pastor this week here at Lakeside, and we were talking about some of his experiences in, in student ministry, and, and that naturally led to us uh, talking about memories that, that each of us had. I, I spent four years in student ministry and was like, that's enough. Scott's like, man, I'm a, I'm a lifer working with next generations, and that's great. God just didn't give me that amount of patience. And one of the, one of the lessons I learned early on when taking student trips was if we weren't arriving at a camp or a conference center where all the meals were planned out, what I needed to find was a food court. Because and no offense if you're a teenager, but, but teenagers, um, they don't know what they want. And multiple teenagers don't know what they want. And so if you're trying to feed a busload of students, you better find a food court so then they can all decide what they want to eat and you can avoid a lot of angst and a lot of turmoil because that way you have every option covered. It's important in life sometimes to have every option covered. Some of you, you believe this based on the purses that you carry. You have things in that purse large enough to survive nuclear warfare. No matter what you're going to encounter in your day, you could fix it or you could solve the problem based on what you carry in your purse. Some of your trunks are that way or the, the beds of your truck. You've got things in there and you are just prepared for no matter what you're going to face. No matter what comes your way, you will be prepared. And today we're going to talk about how we can continue to be prepared no matter what this world throws our way. Because we can all agree that this world's thrown some crazy things our way. It's a crazy time to be alive. It's an exciting time to be alive as well. Let's not just wring our hands and bemoan everything that's going on. It's an exciting and a fascinating time to be alive right now in all of the technological advances and all the things that we have access to that never before in the history of the world have people had access to. It's an incredible time to be alive, and yet things are being thrown our way that people have never before had to encounter and never before had to endure. And the question for all of us who love and follow Jesus is, how do we not only get through but how do we continue to thrive in our lives as we, as we encounter all these changes and all these differences that the world throws our way? And that's what we've been looking at over the course of the last few weeks and what we're going to look at over the course of today and next week as well. As we've been looking at the end section of the book of Ephesians in the armor of God. And what we saw when we started this a couple weeks ago was whether you recognize it or not, if you have made the decision to give your life to Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you are engaged in a battle. Whether you recognize that fact or not, you are engaged in a spiritual battle, and oftentimes we don't think about it because so much of what happens is happening in the spiritual realm and the unseen realm. But make no mistake about it, there is a very real enemy, and his desire is to do everything he can to steal your joy. Jesus describes the enemy for us this way, that the thief, the enemy, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to make it so your life is absolutely miserable. And sometimes we don't recognize these things are going on because they happen in the unseen realm. But what we saw when we started this is make no mistake, if you love and follow Jesus, you are engaged in a very real spiritual battle. And then last week we saw there are some tools that God has given us that can prepare us for this and that can help us succeed against all these 
forces that are against us. And where we saw last week, what we saw last week were, were three, three items. First is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. This holds everything up. And we live in a time where people want to basically equate truth with opinion. And that's, that's not ultimately truth, that, that there is no my truth or, or your truth. There, there is just truth. The truth is absolute. There, there is truth. And the greatest source for truth is found in Scripture. It's from a God who does not change. And Scripture does not change, though culture and everything else will change. God does not change, and his word doesn't change. We saw the belt of truth. Then we saw the breastplate of righteousness, that we should try to live lives, that we pursue to bring God honor and joy with the way that we conduct our lives, that we should live lives that look more and more like God, that we should pursue God in the way that we live our lives, that our lives should be righteous. And then we saw that our shoes should be the gospel of peace, that we should be quick to run and tell people about the hope we have, not in a creepy way, not in a way where we're yelling at people or, or or any of those things, but in a way that we just want to share with people the hope that we have found because of the difference that following Jesus has made in our lives. And what we saw was this message that we should be quick to share is summarized for us this way, the gospel of peace. That as people that love and follow Jesus, when everything else is spiraling and everything is spinning out of control and nothing seems to make sense in our world, in our culture, in society, in the areas in which we live, that we can still have peace because ultimately our hope is not found in any of those things, but ultimately our hope is found in our salvation through a relationship with Jesus. So that's what we saw last week, and we're going to build on those things today. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can download in whatever app store you utilize. And once you've installed the Bible app on your device, there's a feature within the app called Events. There you can either enable your locations or type in zip code 54201. 54201 Lakeside Community Church will pop up. You can follow along with us right there. You can take notes. You can underline things. It's a great resource. You can submit prayer requests so we can pray for you all through that app. So if you're not utilizing it, we highly recommend you do that. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're not mad about that fact at all. We're glad that you have that. We're going to be, again, in the New Testament book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 16 here in just a minute. And if you're joining us via the stream, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Brian. I'm part of the team here at Lakeside. And the verses will be available on the screen below as we continue to look at ways that we can be prepared to not only survive but thrive in our lives through the resources and the tools that God has made available to us, his followers. And so today we begin right now in Ephesians 6, the first part of verse 16, where we read these words, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Every situation, every circumstance. In the great times, take up the shield of faith. In the worst and the lowest of lows, when it seems like there is no solution to the problems you're facing, when it seems like everything is over in your world and everything that you thought you could count on is just falling apart and you're absolutely miserable in those situations as well, take up the shield of faith. Everywhere you go, in every situation, in every circumstance, take up the shield of faith. This means we invite God into every area of our life that our faith permeates, every aspect of our lives that we don't follow God occasionally, we don't follow God when it's convenient, we don't follow God in the season of blessing, but then 
but then as soon as, as that's done, we stop. Or we don't only follow God when we find ourselves in the lowest of valleys. And, and we follow God because we don't have anywhere else to turn. But then as soon as our lives turn around, we no longer follow God. No, no, no. In every circumstance, in every situation, in the good times, in the bad times, when people love you, when people hate you, when people understand you, when it seems like you don't have a friend in the entire world and you're isolated and all alone, in all circumstances, everywhere, every day, every situation, take up your shield of faith. Not just when you walk in the doors of a church or not just when you're around church people. No, in every relationship, take up your shield of faith in all circumstances. Faith with you everywhere. And the question that I have for you is, are you treating your faith like a shield? Is your faith so sound That it protects you. Now the cynic would say, oh, you're just weak. You just, you just hide. You just hide behind your faith. Yeah, when life gets difficult and there's nowhere else to turn, you just, you just hide behind it. But no, what, we're, what we see here, what we're told here, is that faith is our shield. That faith is our shield. And again, we, the, the tactics of battle have changed quite a bit. I mean, when at the time the Apostle Paul's writing this, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, there, there isn't drone warfare and, and missiles. Everything in combat is very much hand-to-hand. -hand. And for distance combat, we're not talking about guns. We're talking about arrows and, and slingshots and things like that. So the shield, it protects you. It protects you up close from swords but it also protects you from attacks that are far away, from places you can't even necessarily see the enemy. And that's how the enemy works in our lives. Sometimes he attacks us from, from proximity. Sometimes it's real close. And sometimes the attacks come from places we never even imagined, we couldn't envision. And the question that, that we have to answer as people that love and follow Jesus is, is our faith strong enough to protect us? Does it protect us? Six, verse 16 goes on, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So verse 16 says, in all the circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Recognize what we're up against. The enemy's not just firing darts at us. No, he, he like dips them in, in kerosene and lights them on fire. And then shoots them our way. See, some of us have this, this idea of, of the enemy, and it's, it's kind of a, a cartoon idea. That on one shoulder we have the as pale as me angel with the blonde hair and the blue eyes and the halo and those little wings. And, and like they're in a diaper almost, and it's, it's really disturbing. And then on, on this shoulder, we've got this, this red looking thing with a, with a tail and a, a pitchfork and maybe a cigarette hanging out of the side of his mouth, and a leather jacket. And, and the question is, now what direction are we going to go? Right? Some of us have that idea of the enemy. Some of us have an idea of the enemy like the other extreme, that the enemy is the most repulsive thing we've, we've ever seen. But when we look at the origins of the enemy, the fact that the, the enemy, before he fell, before he wasn't satisfied with his role of serving God and wanted to be God, that the enemy, he had quite a bit of responsibility in heaven. 
He's crafty. The enemy is created, just like all things, is created by God. The enemy isn't a cartoon. And the enemy isn't something that's real repulsive. He doesn't approach us that way. He's smarter than that. You've heard me say it over the course of the last couple weeks. You're going to hear me say it again today. Satan is a great salesman. Satan is a great salesman. He doesn't just show you the end result. He doesn't show you the disaster. He doesn't show you where all the decisions that go contrary to God's plan for your life are going to lead and all the consequences for those things. He shows you the aspect that appears to be fun. He shows you the aspect that appears to be pleasurable. He shows you the aspect that promises you satisfaction and fulfillment that is that is. It's just lacking in your life, and you're longing for more. And he comes, and he finds those areas. And again, he doesn't have to be psychic to do it. We're all human. He knows where to get us. He knows that we want to have purpose. He knows that we want to be comfortable. He knows that we want to be sexually fulfilled. He knows that we want to that we want to just be at peace and, and, and feel euphoric. He knows these things. It's not just you. We're human. It's all of us. And we all struggle with different aspects of that. And we all struggle with different things. But he doesn't have to be psychic to know where to attack us. That's one of a couple different ways. And so he attacks that way. And he doesn't just, just come with some things that, yeah, it's, yeah, you shouldn't do that, but it's, it's really not going to be that. No, what you have to understand is the enemy is coming after you, and he's selling you something, but it's not, he's not just firing darts at you. These things are on fire. They're contrary to what he says when he sells. His goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What we're told here is that there is a shield, and that shield is our faith. That shield is our faith. And the question you have to ask is how strong is that shield? Is it strong enough for you to get behind? Is it strong enough for you to lean on? Is it strong enough that when those arrows come your way, and they will, is it strong enough that it will protect you? And only you can answer that question. You can't, you can't get behind somebody else's shield. It has to be yours. The shield of faith. We move on to verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now, I love this picture that the helmet obviously goes on the head. And naturally, that's a very important place to protect in terms of battle. You've got to protect your head. Otherwise, it's going to be a kill shot and you're going to be done. I can't help but think that it's purposeful. It's purposeful that the Apostle Paul, when he's going through these implements, he, he talks about this idea of the helmet of salvation, that salvation is placed on the head. 
Because contrary to what the skeptics might say, and contrary to what the cynics might say, and contrary to what the people who just don't understand your faith and understand your desire to follow after Jesus might say, that faith doesn't require us to suspend thought. Are there aspects of faith that we cannot fully explain? Yes. And the reason for that is because we serve a supernatural God. And quite frankly, if we could explain everything about God, and if we understood everything about God, I'd be a little bit worried. I'd be a little bit worried if God's level was so low that I, in my finite thinking, was able to explain and tell you every aspect about God's nature in every way he would act, in every way that he has acted. I would be a little freaked out about that, quite frankly. Now, the, the skeptic will say, well, it just it, you just have to spend thought. It, it doesn't work there. Salvation doesn't require us to suspend thought. Not only does it not require us to suspend thought, and again, I would just tell you, if you're a skeptic, if you're a cynic, we welcome you. We are glad that you're here. Put the claims of Scripture to the test. Put them to the test. And I guarantee you, if you will put the claims of Scripture to the test, you will discover, if you're unbiased, you will discover time and time again that Scripture proves itself true. Not only is this idea of, of the helmet of salvation, not only does, does it, it not require us to suspend thought, but, but I love this idea because when we think about all of the problems that we face in our lives, so many of them originate in the mind. So many of them originate in the mind. And make no mistake, there is legitimate mental illness and, and the brain, like any other part, any other aspect of our bodies, can, can get out of whack. Our brains, like any other part of our bodies, can become ill. There can become problems with them. There can be imbalances there. And so we would never tell you to, to just, if you are experiencing mental illness, we would never tell you it's exclusively a spiritual problem. There could be other factors at play. And we would highly suggest, yes, you let us know because we want to pray with you. And there can be aspects of that, that are, that are spiritual, but there could also be aspects that are physical in nature, and you need to see a doctor to, to discover those as well. We would also tell somebody, you can't solely attack the mind physically, because all of, all of us are made up of aspects that are material, but there are also immaterial aspects of each of us as well. That we all have the material aspect, our bodies, but we also have souls and spirits, this immaterial aspect that God made us. And so we, as people that, that love and follow Jesus, we understand how God created us, that we are made in his image. And so there is a material aspect to us all, but there's also an immaterial aspect. And sometimes people just want to attack the material aspect and try to, try to find peace and try to find joy there, but they do nothing about the spiritual component of this, their souls and their spirits, and they wonder, why can't I find satisfaction? Why can't I find joy? Why isn't this working for me? And the reason that it's not working is because every aspect of your nature hasn't, hasn't been the way that God originally designed it to be. So there is a material aspect to each of us, but there's also an immaterial aspect to all of us as well. And so many of our problems in our lives come from our minds, that there is doubt and there is discouragement. 
And that originates in the mind. And the Apostle Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation. Not that if you give your life to Jesus and follow after him, you're never going to have a doubt again. And sometimes people that, that love and follow God, they're, they're scared to admit that. They're scared to admit if, if, if doubt creeps into their life. And, and they're, they're scared to acknowledge that to somebody as though they're not a good follower of Jesus. Jesus' disciples, post-resurrection, struggled with doubt. And Thomas gets the worst rap. And how did Jesus respond to him? He pulled out his hands. He said, here you go, Thomas. Touch my wounds. You might be struggling in a prison of doubt right now. Because you've, in your mind, convinced yourself, because I, because I have a doubt that makes me not a good follower of Jesus. And what I want to tell you is, you might as well just admit that to God. Spoiler alert, he already knows that it's there. So just ask him, God, help me through my unbelief. God, help me in my doubt. Reveal yourself to me. And I promise you, he will. The mind is also where a lot of discouragement comes. We live in a broken and a flawed world. One of the privileges that, that I get to have as a parent is, is trying to help my kids navigate through that reality. And the other day, my, my wife was dropping off one of our boys at school, and he said, you know, Mom, what, what just really frustrates me, and if you know my boys, you already know which one this is. He's like, you know what really frustrates me? And she said, what? He said, I just want the world to be perfect. I just want the world to be perfect. There's a longing within us all. That things are not as they should be. And we know that deep down. We look at all the things that, that now we've just grown numb to, quite frankly, because they happen so frequently. But deep within our soul, there is this longing for something greater. There is this longing that things should not be the way they are. And we know it deep down. We know it in our core. And discouragement can creep in because we look at all the brokenness. We cycle through all of our mistakes. And we start to think, well, this is the best that it can be. And my mistakes define me. And if you find yourself there, I just want to remind you to put on that helmet of salvation. Because the message of salvation is simply this. You aren't good enough. But God loves you anyway. And you can try and you can try and you can try. You can do everything you can. You can spend every last waking moment you have of your life trying to earn your way into God's favor. You can try everything to earn your way into heaven. And it doesn't work. Because God's standard is perfection, and we've all blown it. But God loves us anyway. 
So much so that he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for my imperfection, to pay the price for my sin, and to set me free from those things that hold me back. I place my faith and trust in the fact that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for my sins, and he rose again three days later. Salvation is mine. Not because of what I've done, but because God loves me and he gave me a gift. And all the doubt and all the discouragement is covered. With what Jesus has already done and with what God is going to do. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And here we get to the only weapon, the only weapon that's listed for us in the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. That God's Word, it protects us. It protects us. It enables us to go on the offensive. Marching into battle, it is good to be protected. You need a weapon. And the weapon that we're given is Scripture. That God's Word, it protects us. It enables us to go on the offensive against the enemy. But let's be honest about something. With any kind of weapon, there is an inherent danger. There is an inherent danger with any kind of weapon when we don't know how to use it properly. God's word is incredibly valuable to us. It's incredibly valuable to us. But like any weapon, if we don't use it properly, it can be dangerous to us. And you're like, how can scripture be dangerous to us? What in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about this. The scripture is revealed to us that God supernaturally, through a set of human authors, recorded scripture for us. It is literally the word of God. It comes from God. God used human authors. But we live in a society that has a very short attention span. And you see now people talking about all the dangers of of TikTok and everything else because the attention span has gone from five minutes to five seconds in just the last couple years. And anybody that's that's worked with kids knows that the attention spans are, are just rapidly decreasing and decreasing and diminishing. So... So what we have here in Scripture is we have a collection of God's God's thoughts revealed to us supernaturally through human authors, totally God's Word. And what we can do if we're not careful is oftentimes through good intention. We can just try to encounter, we can try to engage with something, and we just pull a verse out because we, we think it speaks to a situation or a circumstance that we have. But when we do that, if we're not careful, what we could be doing is divorcing that verse from a greater context. And we could be thinking that verse says something that it doesn't really say. Because we took one sentence out of a much larger thought. 
And this is incredibly discouraging for some people because they have taken a verse and they have read it and they have memorized it and they've held on to it and they've convinced themselves that God has made promises to them that God never really made. And if you would have understood the context, if you would have read a little bit more, you would see that that wasn't necessarily a promise to you. And because you think, well, God made me this promise, and it wasn't true in this circumstance, even though it's never a promise that God made to you, you get discouraged. That's how a weapon can be dangerous if we don't understand it. Because context matters. It matters. A couple years ago, I had a groundhog that was invading my backyard. And I finally put some carrots in a trap, and I trapped the groundhog. And if, if, you're, uh, if you're a PETA lover, I, thanks for being here so much. Uh, we got coffee available out in the lobby. You might want to head out now. So we, we got the groundhog. We got the groundhog in the trap. The only problem was I was heading to New York the day that the groundhog was in the trap. And Brooke and our two really small boys were at home at the time. And she called me up and she said, we got the groundhog. And I said, that's awesome. She said, you're on your way to New York. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You want to shoot it? She's like, I'm not shooting anything. How do you feel about taking a brick to its head? I am not taking a brick to its head. I'm like, well, Brooke, we got to do a mercy kill. I'm going to be in New York for five days. We can't just let it starve to death. She said, I'll call my dad. I'm like, yes, you will. That killer's going to take care of it. No blood on our hands. This is working out even better than I thought it was. Fantastic. I love it when God blesses me. Her dad takes the groundhog about a mile away and releases it in a field. So guess what groundhog came back to the Pursley house? Only this time it was a smart groundhog. And it didn't want carrots anymore. It wasn't going in the trap. And it was starting to dig up things around our deck. And I'm just like, nope, this groundhog's got to go. So I called a friend of mine who's a hunter. And I said, hey, can I borrow your bow? He said, absolutely. <laughs> I took the screen off my kitchen window. And I had the bow sitting in my house. Because every time I'd step outside, that stupid groundhog would run away. And I waited, and it would taunt me. It would, like, get up on its back legs and, like, do a little dance in the sun. I'm like, no, you're going to die. And I raised up the kitchen window really quietly. And I got the bow. I pulled it back, and I had the arrow loaded. I looked through the sight, and I shot the arrow. We had a six-foot fence. 
that arrow went over the six-foot fence, and I just heard a loud collision, and I'm like, I think I just shot the neighbor's house. This is not good. And I called my friend in a panic whose bow it was, and he said, did you dial in the scope? And I said, excuse me? And he said, you didn't, like, practice with the scope before you shot it in your backyard? And I said, was that a thing you're supposed to do? And he said, obviously, that's the thing you're supposed to do. And I said, well, obviously, why would you give a novice a scope that's not dialed in? And he said, you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. You don't understand how to use that. You might be incredibly discouraged with God right now. Because you're clinging to a promise that maybe God never made to you. It is so vitally important that we encounter and we engage with Scripture. And we encourage you every week. Download the Bible app if you haven't already. Be engaged with Scripture. Get to know the heart of God. Understand there's power here. And if you don't understand something, that's why we're here. Call us. Email us. People sometimes are like, well, I, I've had this question for a really long time, but I didn't want to bother any bother us. That's why we're here. We're here to serve you any way we can in your spiritual journey. And there are passages of Scripture, there are verses of Scripture that are hard to understand. It is our privilege to help you with that. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The shoes that make us ready to run with the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit. Which is God's word. These will equip us. These will enable us to not only survive, but to thrive. Are you prepared? That's the question that you have to answer. God, I pray that we would be people who, as we love and as we follow you, that we would be people who have a strong faith, who carry it everywhere we go, not just in certain situations, not just in certain circumstances, not just in certain relationships. God, I, I pray that we would be people who put on the helmet of salvation. I pray for the people right now who are struggling with doubt. And God, I just pray that in their heart right now, they would just give that to you. God, ask you to work through their doubt. To reveal yourself in a new and powerful way. To God, just make it known. 
you are who you say you are. Pray for those who are struggling with discouragement. I pray, God, that you would just encourage their hearts with the hope of heaven and the knowledge that you're not done working in this broken and flawed world. God, with the sword of the Spirit, I pray that we would be equipped. God, that you would give us a hunger, a hunger to encounter your word, a hunger to engage with you through Scripture. And God, a humility when we don't understand things. To learn more. I pray that we would have the opportunity to serve people. Helping them understand scripture on an even greater level. God, that you would work through our lives for your glory. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.